Welcome to the Unbound Healing Podcast. I'm Anne-Marie Garland, nutritional therapist and health coach at Grassfed Salsa, and with me is my co-host Michelle Hoover, certified nutritional therapy practitioner and writer of everything you'll find at Unbound Wellness. Here we share everything about overcoming health challenges from autoimmunity to hormone imbalance and more with holistic living, mindset shifts, practical tips, and a real food paleo approach. Remember our disclaimer, the content within this podcast is intended to provide general information and is not to be substituted for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Now let's get on with the show. What's up, crunchy friends? It's Michelle. My co-host, Anne, is still on maternity leave, but we have an awesome interview for you guys this week. I am so excited about this one. I learned a ton. You guys are going to learn a ton. But first, before we get into that, quick reminder that today is the day. Thursday, January 11th, the day that this comes out, I am doing my very first free webinar today at 7 p.m. CST on how to overhaul your gut health. We're going to be talking about why gut health actually matters root causes for gut health issues, how gut health relates to hormone imbalance, autoimmunity, and more, and a step-by-step system for overhauling your gut health. So you can sign up at bit.ly slash gut health masterclass. There will also be a link in the show notes for this episode. If you are listening after the release date. So after this has already happened, I plan to do more in the future. So hopefully you can catch me next time. But if you are listening to this now, sign up for it. You do not want to miss it live and just keep an eye out on my social media for all of the stuff and the things that I'll be talking about. But anyway, this episode is an awesome one. We are talking to Andrea from Autoimmune Strong about fitness with chronic illness and autoimmunity. So Andrea Wool is the founder and creator of Autoimmune Strong, an online fitness membership service designed specifically for people with autoimmune disease, fibromyalgia, and other types of chronic pain. As someone who lives with Hashimoto's, celiac, and fibromyalgia, Andrea experienced firsthand how difficult exercise can be for those living with those chronic conditions. So she developed an exercise program designed to help regain her own strength and energy without causing a symptom flare-up. Now this program is used by women all over the world who want to get strong safely in the comfort of their own homes. Andrea spends much of her free time running around chasing her rambunctious family, and she attributes her spunky energy to being autoimmune strong. This is an amazing interview, so let's go talk to Andrea. Andrea, thank you so, so much for being with us here this week. I'm so excited to be talking about my favorite topic with you guys. Um, Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored. Yeah, we are pumped to have you here. So before we get into all of the juicy stuff that everybody wants to talk about, um, we like to start our podcast out with something kind of fun. Um, So what are you loving lately? It could be health related. It could be food. It could be nothing to do with that at all. (laughs) I am into winter. That is what I'm all about. I just, um, you're seeing me all sweaty today because I just came from running outside. It's like freezing cold. um, But there's something about the way the sun hits the snow. It makes me feel really 
alive and excited to 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 just be outside. Um, and I've been skiing with my kids. They love it so much. And that's what I grew up doing with my parents, my grandparents, actually, like my grandmother skied until she was 86. So just being able to do all these winter activities has been really glorious. Ask me again in February and I may not feel the same way. But right now, after like the first couple of snowfalls, I'm feeling really pumped about winter. Where do you live? I live in Massachusetts. Oh, yeah. We're both, Mm -hmm. Anne's in Austin and I'm in Dallas. Ah, you guys don't have this. (laughs) No, I'm still staring at a pretty green backyard. We had some things, like, just enough to, like, kill all the succulents and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But we had had snow in Austin for, like, a minute. Yeah, I heard that. It was so great. I brought in, we had to bring in all of our, like, cacti and succulents from outside and... And um, it was like a little like cactus arboretum in our house. It was so (laughs) how pretty. Yeah, we moved them all back out, but I think they're dying now. So I need to move them back in. It's hard this time of year. Yeah, it's like you have these things that are supposed to be evergreen in Texas, but then you have just those like hard freezes that last like forty eight hours, and we're way off topic. So (laughs) (laughs) it's like. Welcome to the Botanical yeah. Podcast. Well, Andrea, why don't you tell us your health story and how fitness fit into it? Yeah, so um, my health story, I think, is pretty, uh, is, is a common one. Um, I was sick. I didn't know what was wrong with me, and it took me forever to get diagnosed. Um, but I think fitness actually played a really big part, ironically, in how I got sick. And also how I got better. Um, so fitness has been, a, you know, it's taken me on this, this crazy journey. Um, when I, you know, when I was in high school, I was a vegetarian, I was a cross country runner, I transitioned into being a marathon runner. And I would, um, basically everything was uh, sort of revolving around my athletics. And um, what I've learned now as an adult is that, um, you know, when you exercise, an over-exerciser, you have gut issues, you have adrenal issues, you have cortisol issues, but I didn't know that back then. And I just like ran my body into the ground, frankly. Um, but I loved it. Fitness was such a major part of my life uh, forever. Um, as I said before, I grew up skiing. Um, and, uh, and it was, you know, just being active was always my thing. And um, after, you know, fast forward, 20 years, I uh, was pregnant with my second son and gave birth. And after I gave birth to him, um, you know, a couple weeks later, I said, I just, I don't feel good. I don't feel right. So I started going to doctors and doctors were like, well, you're postpartum. Of course you don't feel right. And I said, you know, but this, I've had a baby before. It doesn't feel like the same. And, you know, long story short is that uh, there was something wrong with me, but every, you know, it, it wasn't, it was hard to find. Doctors didn't take my, um, my issues seriously. So in the meantime, I started Googling and I started learning about um, eating, you know, nutri- nutrient dense food. And I started learning about um, how fitness can be used to help you rather than hurt you. And I started putting together like a hodgepodge protocol um, for my own healing And after that started working, this was even like a year before I got diagnosed with um, any of my autoimmune disorders, after uh, I put together this hodgepodge 
healing protocol that was started to work, I decided to quit my job and go back to school to figure out really what the science is behind this, why it was working, what, um, you know, I, I wanted to know what, why what I was doing was, was working and how to make it better. Um, so I went to become an, a nutritional therapy practitioner and a personal trainer, and uh, that led me to where I am today, which is, you know, I've totally overhauled my lifestyle. I went from being a vegetarian to being um, paleo and AIP at times, and, um, and uh, you know, instead of running myself down through cardio, I do strength training exercises that are very specific um, in order to uh, increase my healing rather than decrease my healing or increase my symptoms. That's amazing. I didn't know you were an NTP as well. That's uh-huh. so cool that you have kind of, because NTPs get a lot of education about the body as well, like the uh-huh. organs. I think that that's just kind of a dream team being like a personal trainer and an NTP. Well, I think food and fitness have to go hand in hand. Um, you know, there's this there's this idea out there that we can exercise away our weight or we can exercise, you know, if, if we eat that piece of cake, we can just exercise off. And, um, and I think that's a misuse of exercise and also a misuse of food. And so what I'm trying to do is pull the two together and say, you need fitness for strength building, but food for nourishment. And, and you can't have one without the other. They have to work in tandem. And that's perfect to lead us into our next question as well, is that I feel like, I mean, we focus so much on the food in the chronic illness community because it is a huge part and you know that too, but we don't necessarily always talk about fitness where it's just like a really secondary type. Uh So two questions, how important is fitness and movement for those dealing with chronic illness? And then second, what are the ramifications of not exercising? Yeah, those are really good questions. Um, I think fitness is of critical importance for people with chronic illness. Um, The thing about fitness is, as I sort of alluded to before, is that it actually can be used if it's done properly. It can be used to relieve you of many of the symptoms. And there, that's not just coming from antidotal evidence. There's medical studies that have proven um, that certain types and styles of exercise can actually decrease fatigue, increase mood, um, you know, decrease uh, joint pain, even in people who have things like rheumatoid arthritis. Um, You know, it can, um, you know, exercise has been proven to uh, slow the progression of MS, you know, and onwards. It's, exercise is a a cornerstone to healing. as, as long as it's done right. So I think that those people who are unfortunately not getting enough movement into their daily lives are missing out on um, so many of the benefits that movement can bring for them. But I, but I get it. It's really hard. It's so much easier to go and cook healthy food. It's hard when you're feeling pain to convince yourself to get off the couch to go exercise. That's hard for me too. But it's so, so important. Yeah, I think one main issue too, not only like feeling pain, but also just feeling general fatigue, but absolutely can help with that as well, right? Yes. Um, You know, the more you exercise, even if it's for five minutes a day, you know, when I say exercise, it doesn't have to be, you go to the gym and you stay there for an hour and a half. It doesn't have to be this, you know, traditional 
idea of what fitness means. It, this, as long as it's proper movement, um, then, you know, even if it's five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, that can go a long way in decreasing your fatigue experience and, um, and just generally make you feel so much better. Um, you know, having more energy was always my biggest issue. Like all I ever wanted to do was take a nap. Um, and I don't feel that way anymore. And improving sleep too. Like I remember when I first started going to the gym, like I, I, I've had a weird exercise journey as well. I feel like a lot of people do. But when I first started like actually going to the gym and working out, because we're from Texas and everything is sports, sports, sports. If you're not, you know, running, playing volleyball, like I went to high school here. And if you're not doing sports, you're not active. Like there's nothing else for you to do. And I never really slept well as a kid. And then when I became a teenager and started going to the gym, I was like, oh my gosh, I sleep so much better. And I feel like so many people, it's a case by case basis for sure. But I feel like a lot of people just like struggle like crazy with sleep and exercise is never really an answer. There's always so many other answers that people give and they never say like, Hey, just move a little bit more. And I think that that's one of the easiest answers. It's absolutely true. And it's also along with the sleep comes anxiety, you know, when you don't sleep um, or if you have high anxiety, it doesn't allow you to sleep. And exercise can also reduce your experience of anxiety and depression significantly, which goes hand in hand with being able to sleep better. Um, it regulates your cortisol. Um, that's part of why you do sleep so well um, after exercising. You know, it just, the, the number of reasons to exercise are, you know, it can go on and on. Um, I see it even in my kids on these, you know, we're into winter, but some of the days are so cold that they, when they don't get their exercise, they can't sleep. They get all, like, they're so wired. They haven't exerted enough energy um, mm -hmm. to be able to have a peaceful night's sleep. So, you know, it starts at even at an early age that we need to move our bodies. It's just part of our natural being. Totally agree. Yeah. I love watching kids just being intuitive with their movement too. Like if they need to be moving, even if there's nothing for them to do, they'll just like run around, you know, yeah. like running yeah. in circles. Absolutely. Um. <laughs> and tackling each other or, you know, or climbing things that really shouldn't be climbed. Um, but they're following their natural, you know, we're, we're prime, we're, we're primal, right? So we're meant to be moving. Our bodies are not meant to be sitting in a chair all day, which is unfortunately what most of us do. So, um, so, you know, getting that opportunity to get up and move our bodies is really important. The other thing about movement is that, you know, as we age, regardless chronic illness or not, this is all people, as we age and as we spend more and more of our time sitting, um, our postural, uh, movements become um, problematic. You know, we don't use our glutes enough. We don't use our back muscles enough. Our shoulders start slumping forward. And, you know, and so you start to get pain from these postural imbalances. And, and then if you are someone who suffers from chronic pain, you take that, 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 you know, physical pain and then put that on top of a weakened immune system and inf inflammation and your body's just sending pain signals like crazy. So um, exercise helps you to balance out those postural problems, um, you know, that's where I talk about the, the right kind of exercise versus the wrong kind of exercise. Because, you know, certain things are movement 
you know, if you, for example, I was a runner, but if you have bad posture and then you go for a three mile run, all you're going to do is, you know, be running with bad posture, which is going to exacerbate a weak back or, you know, bad shoulder alignment or, um, you know, a neck problem. So if you're doing strengthening exercises that allow you to, you know, write those, you know, get your posture back into a correct alignment, then you're going to feel less pain, which will then allow your inflammation to stay low, which will then allow you to feel less pain. So, and sleep better and have less anxiety. Like it all goes, it's very circular. It all loops. Totally. So we had a question from one of our listeners and her name's Jody. She was, she's wondering what the ramifications are of not exercising. So she does well in the winter month, in the warmer months, but can't go in the winter because she has to take a bus and then waits out in the cold with gym clothes on. So she walks, does yoga and kettlebell at home and is wondering if that's enough. And yeah, so she basically, she's wondering how much is enough exercise? Yeah, so I get that question a lot of how much is enough exercise. And I actually think that's, it's a great question, but it's, I don't think it's the right question. Um, and, and that goes back to, Michelle, what you said in the beginning about there being these misconceptions about what we need to do in fitness. There's this idea that we need to get, you know, even, um, you know, the American Medical Association says we're not supposed to get 30 minutes of movement or 70, you know, 30 minutes of intense movement and 75 minutes of moderate movement a day. I don't think you can quantify it like that. I, I don't think it, you know, there's no one size fits all um, instruction for everybody. I think it's less about the amount of movement and more about the kind of movement that you're doing um, and the consistency of how often you're doing it. I think those are the two things that are the most important. Um, so I talk about, you know, four categories. One is frequency, two is duration, three is type, and four is intensity. So frequency means how often do you exercise? And I think that's first and foremost, um, you know, if you do a hard workout, but it's sporadic, you're going to feel pain because your body's never going to adapt to the changes that you're, you know, that you're, that you're putting it through. So if you're doing a kettlebell workout, that's great. But if you do it once in a while, your body's not going to create a movement pattern that will affect change within those postural patterns that I'm talking, that I was talking about before. Um, what I think is more important is to be consistent with your workout. So you know, saying, I'm going to work out every day, or I'm going to um, move my body three times a week. Whatever it is that you feel you can fit into your life, make it consistent and stay and stick with it. Um, for people who are beginners or who are um, living with, you know, chronic pain, three times a week could be hard. So maybe you start one time a week, but if you do one time a week and then you don't do anything for another three weeks, you've lost any benefit of that one time a week. So you just have to stay consistent. Um, so the second is duration. Again, like I don't think there's any one size fits all for how long you should be exercising. I think it matters that you are being consistent. And if you're a beginner, maybe you start with 10 minutes and then over time you can go up to 15 minutes and then you can go up to 30 minutes and then you can go up to 40 minutes and, and you progress over time. Um, your body needs to adapt in two ways to the exercise. One is through your musculature. You need to give it time for your muscles to, um, you know, ha absorb the changes that 
you know, both in strengthening and in stretching. And the other is your immune system needs time to adapt. So if you push your body too hard, say you work out an hour a day, you know, for a whole week and you're a beginner and you have inflammation problems already, you're going to spike a flare up and you're going to be set back to the point where maybe you can't exercise again for another couple of weeks. So that doesn't do you any good. So it's better to start slow and be, you know, even if it's 10 minutes a day, that's a good amount of exercise. Um, and then the third is type, which is the idea of, um, you know, not all kinds of exercises are created equal. So if you know what to do with that kettlebell, then great, go for it. But if you don't know what to do with the kettlebell, you know, doing kettlebell exercises are not necessarily going to make you better. It, it might put you in, you know, it, it, it might lead you to being prone to injury if you do it wrong. So it's important to have the right instructor and to follow, you know, a guide. Or if you have experience, then you can go forward. Um, but I, you know, as far as type goes, I really do believe that strength training is the, the most important way to um, adapt your body, both muscular-wise and immune system-wise. Um, and, and finally is intensity. For people with chronic pain, starting at a low intensity is going to be really important. And a lot of us start, you know, say, well, I was an athlete. Like, what do you mean I have to start with 10 minutes a day at low intensity? That sucks. But it doesn't mean you, that's where you have to stay. It, but I do recommend that that's where you start. Give your immune system time to adapt. And, um, and then eventually you'll be able to increase intensity, duration, frequency over time. Yeah, that's my biggest struggle is trying to figure out, like, trying to separate myself from thinking of movement as, like, a 60-minute exercise or, you know, session and just going more towards, like, general movement throughout the entire day. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I love to do is because, you know, even though I run a fitness-related website, it's still a website, and I sit at my desk and, you know, do a lot of computer work. And so um, one of the things I try and do is set, um, like, work sprints where I work for 20 minutes and then I take a five minute break. And in that five minute break, I say, okay, I'm going to do a plank. You know, maybe it's a one minute plank, but if you do a one minute plank throughout the course of the day, four times, then, you know, that's a pretty good workout right there. And you've gotten out of your chair and you've gotten a little bit of, you know, breathing time. I know for people who work in offices, it might be a little uncomfortable to go into your plank on the floor, but, um, but I, you know, I think it's good inspiration and maybe other people will join you <laughs> yeah. get the whole office taking a work break. And, you know, cause I think I, you know, you're more productive after you exercise anyways, even if it's for a couple of minutes. It depends what kind of office you're in. My husband, he's got a, he's got kind of a space where he's got his own like cubicle with like a door and stuff. And he, like wrote an email to all of his office mates at one point. He's like, I'm going to start doing just like that. You know, every 30 minutes do like push-ups or pull something like that. And he had, I'm pretty sure he may have weights in there too. He's like, I'm going to start doing Good that. For him. Okay. <laughs> I used to do it when I worked in an office full time. I work from home most of the time now. Um, when I worked at an office full time, I would literally just like go into like the bathroom and do squats. 
or just there like, you go. That's a great idea. The stairs, or just do like lunges up the stairs, um, something like that. Yeah, you don't necessarily have to get like super like you don't have to like roll around on the floor to get some sort of movement. Like you can do just kind of like okay, let because after a while sitting in a chair, I'm like my butt hurts. Like, yes. Really, like I can feel my butt like flattening <laughs> just over these eight hours sitting in a chair. Like I need to go do some squats. So yeah, but we've talked a lot about strength, which is important, but I want to start to talk about um, like stretching and mobility. So we get really into, you know, to me, I'm like, I don't want to stretch. I don't need to stretch. Like if I'm only going to be at the gym for half an hour, I don't want to waste time stretching. And uh, hopefully other people aren't as much in that mindset as me. I'm trying to get out of it. But I know that stretching and mobility and stuff are really important. So can you talk about that and kind of like what some of your favorite things are to recommend? Yeah, so um, I think you're feeling about, you know, like, I don't want to waste my time doing stretches. I think that's super common. I hear that all the time. Um, but I will tell you that it's actually, it's like so important. I can't even stress how important it is. And the reason is this, you have, um, you know, a weak, tight muscle relationship. So in every muscle is connected to another muscle and they all pull on each other and that's how we're able to move our arms and our legs and walk around and so on. Um, so the weak muscle is not strong enough, but the tight muscle needs to be stretched. So you have to, you know, when you're using your weights or doing your strengthening exercises, you're working on that weak, on that weak muscle. But no matter how strong you get that weak muscle, you're always going to be battling this tight muscle. And the tight muscle is always going to win in a fight. So if the tight muscle is pulling on your lower back, no matter how much you strengthen your lower back, um, the tight muscle is always going to win. So you have to stretch that, that tight muscle in your lower back in order to relieve the back pain, right? So, um, so they have to work in tandem, stretching and strengthening. Um, my favorite type of stretching is foam rolling, um, self-myofascial release. Um, most people start swearing when I start telling them about it because it hurts. I'm not going to lie. It is not fun. It gets better. It does. It does. Yeah. Yeah. It gets better if you do it more often, but it's really important. And the reason is, is that your muscles are you know, imagine like an electrical wire and you've got your muscles as the actual electrical wires, but the fascia, which is your connective tissue, wrap is that plastic coating around um, your electrical wire. So that plastic coating is really um, the first layer of your musculature. And our fascia gets really tight, um, especially if we sit in a chair all day. And so our muscles can't move properly because they're being like held tightly with that fascia. So the, the um, foam rolling starts breaking up the fascia and releasing the muscles to start doing their thing. So when you start strength training your muscles and you haven't released that fascia, you put yourself at injury. You could you know tear that the muscle that you're trying to strengthen because um, it's stuck onto that fascia. So, um, Foam rolling, when I exercise, foam rolling is the first and foremost thing that I do every time. Um, and, I, and, you know, I also, like, you can do it before you work out, but if you also 
don't want to spend time at the gym doing it, you can do it at night before you go to bed or in the morning when you wake up, um, you know, and that will over time start wearing down your fascia so that you don't need to foam roll every single time. You know, again, your body adapts. Yeah. It's easy. If people are like, oh, that sounds scary. Like you can just get one and then like go on YouTube, be like, okay, how do I do this? You just kind of roll yourself on it. Yep. That's exactly right. And if, you know, for people who feel like it's hard to figure out what to do with it, Autoimmune Strong has a entire video. I think it's like 15, 20 minute video on um, exactly which body part you should be doing and how to do it. And, um, you know, a lot of people have issues with their wrists while foam rolling. So there are some, you know, alternatives and options of ways you can foam roll that, you know, won't aggravate your wrists or your knees or, um, you know, other body parts. What are some of your favorite non-gym forms of exercise and movement? Aside from like skiing, like you've already mentioned. Yeah, I love yoga. Um, uh, Yoga has been a big part of my life for a long time, but I will tell you that when I was in the, like the height of my um, undiagnosed, very painful, chronic pain, I would go to a yoga class and I would literally stay in child's pose the whole time and I'd cry and I'd leave and say like, I can't even do like one yoga pose. It was too hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've had to work my way up to doing yoga. Um, and now I'm able to do, you know, a full class, you know, at, at more, at higher intensity, but that's like three years you know, from, from when I, uh, had those experiences in child's pose and tears. Um, so, and I hear that from a lot of people who say like, I can't make it through a whole yoga class. So I, I want people to know that like, you're not alone. <laughs> it's, it's actually a thing. Um, I do most of my workouts at home. Um, there are along with autoimmune strong, there are a lot of other at home workouts, um, apps and things that you can download that are really useful. Um, I love um, getting outside. I think that's really important. Walking, running, um, you know, getting sunlight is uh, is really, really important. Um, and and then just like, I think the most important thing is finding the thing that makes you feel happy. You know, um, some people love to weight train. Some people love yoga. Some people love walking. Some people like. Uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Some people find happiness in riding horses. Um, you know, there's lots of different ways you can strengthen your body. It, it, the most important thing, you know, before I was talking about making it a habit and making sure you're consistent, the best way to make sure you're consistent is if you love it. You know, a Zumba class, if that, if that makes you feel happy, go for it. It doesn't, there's no right or wrong. There's no right or wrong. Just, you know, do the thing that you love. It might mean trying a lot of things to figure out what it is that you love. So I'm, I'm glad you're talking about finding what really makes you happy and what you tend to gravitate towards in movement. Because myself personally, I have a history with cortisol dysregulation. And so the type of exercising that makes me feel really good, at least immediately after, is high intensity exercising. And it's not the best solution for me. Uh So the reason for that would be because it, it would give me an increase in cortisol, but that's not necessarily what I want to be doing. I don't want to be like spiking my cortisol that dramatically to give me this like false energy source and then crashing and burning later. So, um, are you familiar with like 
cortisol dysregulation and exercise and have any tips for someone who might be dealing with the same thing? Yeah, I mean, that's, I get a lot of emails about that topic. Um, you know, people say, you know, I've been an athlete my whole life. I love CrossFit. I love high intensity interval training, you know, but I have autoimmune issues like in, in cortisol dysregulation issues and inflammatory issues. Is autoimmune strong? It seems like 10 minutes of exercise a day, like really? That just doesn't seem like enough. Um, but the thing is about that cortisol dysregulation is cortisol is, you know, it, your body gets addicted to it. Like you need more and you need more and you need more. And so when you're, when you know your cortisol um, addicted, like it sounds like your, your body is, then you're just feeding that fire when you're exercising at high intensity. So, um, the, you know, the best thing you can do for your body is to slow down and to do really targeted strengthening exercises that doesn't, you know, but that's, uh, that's low intensity that will keep your cortisol low so that you don't have that spike over time. It will help you even things out. And you will, the thing about, you know, low intensity exercise is that, you know, your body will adapt. And so what your low intensity is right now won't be what your low intensity is a year from now, if you stay on a, on a path and, you know, and you consistently increase just slightly a little bit and a little bit and a little bit over time. Um, so, you know, so you could get back to the place where you're doing high intensity interval training and it doesn't spike your inflammation, oh, it spike your cortisol. Um, so it is possible to change your body around um, it, it, using exercise. Yeah, I, and that's definitely what I've done. Now I can take like two high intensity or higher intensity classes a week and, and be fine with it. But there was a time where I had to like completely cut that out of my life and just focus on other activities that still felt good. And for me, that was like the yoga. So it's like the total opposite of what I had previously been gravitating towards. Yeah, that's a really good point. I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought that out because you do have to be thoughtful about what it is that you love and know whether or not it is best for you. As I said, like I was a marathon runner. That's what I loved, but it was not good for my body. Um, so I had to take a step back and find something else that worked for me. Right. Yeah. I've had to do a lot of the same thing that I was a CrossFitter and I just loved that really high. Like I loved being able to pick up like really heavy weight, uh -huh. but in CrossFit, it's like, it's not just pick up really heavy weight. It's like pick up the really heavy weight, throw it, and then like run around like a lunatic. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, the run around like a lunatic part is like really driving me nuts. And a lot of it, like you really just kind of have to listen to your body and be like, okay, like what actually makes me feel good? And then like, what does my body respond? respond to like when I do the running around thing like it doesn't change my body when I do like weight bearing exercises like I immediately start to see results like in a matter of like a couple of weeks I'm already like oh I'm like immediately starting to build the strength back up again so I had to take okay the really high intensity of CrossFit and just take out the things that I like and now it's like okay I just do squats at the squat rack and you know just do um, deadlifts like by themselves and do uh -huh. them a lot more slowly because when you do it in CrossFit like they have the AMRAPs and I'm not saying that CrossFit is bad but I'm saying it was bad for me no um, I think that's a to that's a really good point there's this idea especially for people who are eating a paleo diet that you must do CrossFit in, yeah, in tandem yeah. and um, you know 
I, I, I'm like you, I have the ability to lift really heavy weights. I cannot make it through one CrossFit class. I get really sick. It throws me into a, into a, you know, into a flare up that, that every time I try it, it, I go into a flare up that will last for like two or three weeks where I can't move my body at all. And the reason is that there's not a lot of rest periods um, in the AMRAP. There's none. So your cortisol, you know, is cortisol dysregulation to the max. Like your cortisol is just spiking and staying there the whole time. And so for some people, they really need that. But for others, um, it can really put them at a state of disrepair. So you, what you did was super smart is, um, you know, you took the elements that you loved, but added in a rest period, added in, you know, a a lower intensity uh, rep rate. And um, that, you know, that you found what works for you and that's critical. Yeah. It's counterintuitive to like, I always talk about this in the health world. It's like, there's so many things that like kind of, um, it it just negate each other of like, find what you love. But it's like, but what if I love makes you feel bad? (laughs) Like I had to give up that and then cycle classes too. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Like those the last, I used to do cycle classes like three, four times a week and they're super trendy right now. Like everybody's like full cycle, full cycle, which if it works for them, great. But I was like, so in, I was like, I want to get back into it. And I did it and I had heart palpitations for like three days after I did it. I felt so terrible. So it's like this balance between like, by movement that you love that does not make you feel terrible because there's plenty of things like I could love on some chocolate cake right now, but that doesn't mean I should do it for my body. It's true. It's like, you know, that kind of like, okay, we need to think, you know, yeah. Well, yeah. And I liked that Michelle, you had like figured out that CrossFit wasn't what was giving you like good results. So that's something that I noticed with myself too when I was doing the like boot camp style classes and the the hit style classes is my body doesn't really respond to that. Like I may lose weight, but I don't really change my body composition. I don't have any definition. And then when I tend to slow down and like support my adrenals and all of that a little bit more through like yoga or bar classes, bar classes helped so much for me personally. So like things that someone else, someone doing CrossFit, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you think two pound weights are going to like affect you at all. But oh my gosh, they helped totally change my body in a way that I've never seen before. So even though it was kind of torturous to go to bar classes, like I really didn't love them. um, That's really what my body responded to. And over time I did learn that i liked going to bar classes but so one of the things i talk about a lot is um getting practice at discomfort get get comfortable being uncomfortable Mm. and and that's a lot of what you're talking about is like often what's good for us is not what's easy um and it's not what uh is not what we're um what we're drawn to immediately and um you know as we practice getting ourselves into these situations like a bar class where you're saying it's, you know, it's really hard. Um, but it, but it changes you. That might be the discomfort that your body needed in order to push past and grow. Um, that eventually you will get comfortable, you know, over time and that's the adaptation you need. Um, but heavyweights are not 
you know, for everybody, cycle classes are not for everybody. And, and again, I think there's this idea that if we push harder, go faster, you know, do more in, you know, in a short period of time, that that's going to, um, you know, make us skinny. That might be true, but that's not what we're, what I'm looking for. And that's not what I'm trying to encourage people to look for. I think that um, I want people to start looking at exercise as, um, you know, something that's for their health rather than something that's going to make them look a certain way or fit in their clothes a certain way. It's nice. I mean, those are great side effects when you, you know, when you do feel good in your clothes, but, um, but that's not the purpose in my, in, in my idea. It, the purpose is to, you know, rejuvenate your cells and, um, to, you know, to allow you to have that energy to live, you know, to do what you want in your normal everyday life and not feel like you have to, you know, sit on the couch and take a nap every time you, after every workout. Totally. So we were talking a little bit about, you know, like bar class and cycle class and all these places that you physically go to, but we've also talked a little bit about home gyms and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So what, if somebody's going to do like workouts at home, what are you, do you think are some good like home gym must haves when it comes to equipment? I don't actually think you need very much. Um, I like to have a yoga mat just because I like to feel um, like this is my workout space. This is my like my little square where I'm going to do what I do. And um, uh, I do recommend a foam roller. I think that's essential. Um, there are other types of foam rollers like um, that are um, – there's something called a peanut or a knot out that are um, two – they're kind of two balls put together or you could like actually duct tape – you know, lacrosse balls or tennis balls together and use them. Um, those are really good for self-myofascial release. Um, I like a jump rope. I like a couple of weights, um, you know, but you don't have to use weights. Uh, I have been known to fill up water bottles and do exercises holding water bottles in my hands. Um, so exercise doesn't have to be something we spend a lot of money on. Um, you really can, you know, move your body. Honestly, like plank variations you can do you can get a full body workout with just a couple of plank variations and that's um you know not needing equipment at all uh in my home gym i have very little actually um so i do you know i like a bench something where you can do some tricep dips or you know um step ups or um you know uh inverted push-ups so that you're not using your full body weight um but you can do a lot of that on stairs as well. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So, so, um, you know, I feel like, I feel like the equipment is often so overwhelming to people that they don't want to even get started. Cause they're like, Oh, I don't want to go buy all this equipment that I'm never going to use balance work, you know, doing, you could, there's so much you can do standing on one leg, um, that will get you very far without using any equipment. And then to make it even harder, you can stand on a pillow, um, which gives you, you know, a little bit of a wobbly surface. Um, so I, I don't feel like you have to use a lot of equipment in order to get fit. I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, this is always the stupid paleo answer, but it's true that like cavemen did not have like a bow flex or true. like that. And yeah, I feel like that was always something in my family growing up. <laughs> my, my dad was always like, Oh, once I get the bow flex, once I get the elliptical, like then I'll be fit. It's like, no, 
it's like, you know, it's just these mindsets that hold us back of like, well, I can't do it until I have this thing. And yeah, in my, like when I've actually done, you know, CrossFit, there's no equipment there. There's just like weights and you just like run around. Yeah. Like there's a rowing machine and stuff like, but that's not even, you know, 90% of the exercises. It's like, maybe there's a kettlebell, maybe there's like a ball and, you know, there's weights like that's, that's really all you need. And yeah, you can get in really good shape, not needing a ton of stuff. And I agree that it holds so many people back of being like, but I don't have an elliptical and I don't have like a rack and these mats. And it's like, you can do it now. You don't have to wait. Yep. Absolutely. Just do something. And, you know, and for people who have kids, like watch how they run and just do what they're doing. Honestly, you can get so much done at a playground. Um, I often use my, you know, I take my kids to the playground so I can get a workout. <laughs> and so you can do box jumps on the equipment. You can hang um, from the monkey bars and get, you know, and do pull-ups or, you know, and whatever. Um, that's a, it's a great resource too because um, playgrounds are free. Totally agree. Shout out to Michelle's Bowflex reference. There was a Bowflex in my household growing up. <laughs> All right, next question I had is what would you say to beginners? Like the people that are, um, you know, just really have never been an athlete or are just kind of starting from scratch in their new. Um, situation. Like maybe they just found out that they have an illness and they're trying to kind of change how they treat their body. Like what would you say for those beginners who are starting a fitness journey with a chronic illness or an autoimmune disease? Where do they even start? Yeah, that's, uh, it's a, it's a really hard thing. Starting is the hardest part. Um, so I would start with, um, you know, just making sure that you're going slow. Um, a lot of people, who start at the beginning say, okay, well, you know, I'm a beginner, so I got to learn this all really, really fast. And that's not the best way to go about it. The idea, you know, I've talked about that a lot in this podcast is that your body needs time to adapt both in your immune system and your musculature. So, um, so doing the same exercise over and over again is okay. That's fine. You know, perfect that thing that you're doing and then you can move forward. Um, starting with the foundations, I like to recommend that people start with the deep, um, the, the deepest, most like strengthening functional core muscles. Um, you know, everybody talks about the six pack is like the glamour muscle, you know, it, you know, that I want a six pack or if I'm going to start exercising, you know, I need to look buff right away. And, that's not the thing here. I, you know, especially if you're someone who has chronic pain, like that does not matter at all. The idea is that you want your body to actually serve you. So, um, I like to work on core activities that strengthen the transverse abdominis, which is that, um, deep core muscle that is, uh, like your first layer of core that, you know, um, your spine it wraps around your spine. It acts as a corset. It actually wraps around the front and wraps around the back and, holds you up so that your back can stand up straight and it holds your legs in place and it's really important. Um, so I like to start with uh, exercises that work that transverse abdominis rather than doing just crunches or sit-ups, which only work your, um, your six-pack, which doesn't, the six-pack may look good, but it doesn't do a whole lot uh, to keep you strong and stable throughout your day. 
Um, so I like to start working on glute activation. Um, that I think is re a really important place to start. I like to start foam rolling um, and I start with some basic balance work. Um, all of that is around stability. Uh, you want to make sure that you've got your neuromuscular connections happening, which means that your brain is talking to your muscles and telling them to fire when they're supposed to fire. That sounds like, oh, well, I can move my finger without having to think about it. Of course, my brain is, you know, telling my muscles to work. But it doesn't always happen the way it's supposed to, especially when you have an autoimmune disorder and your body's kind of miscommunicating with itself already. So, um, so training your brain to activate a muscle, you know, your glutes in a squat can take a lot of practice. So um, practice makes perfect. Go slow and be patient with yourself. Um, don't you know, don't try to do too much too fast. It takes a really long time to learn form and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And a lot of people do it wrong still. I really encourage people to find a guide. Um, you know, if you can find, you know, a personal trainer who knows about autoimmune issues, a lot of them don't. Um, you know, talk to, if you're going to go to a CrossFit class, talk to them or yoga class or any kind of class, really talk to the instructor before you go into the class and say, look, I was just diagnosed with X. You know, what do I need to know about going into this class? And, and make sure they know what they're doing and what you have and, and how to work with it. Because if they don't, they're not going to be able to design a class that's proper for you. Um, and, and that's when you're going to have some problems. Um, you know, so find an expert that you feel really comfortable that actually knows about your issues. Um, you know, Autoimmune Strong has a, an entire set of programming that is uh, built on foundations. So we start with abdominal bracing and we start with balance work and we start with foot feet activation and things that seem on the surface like, really, this is exercise? But they're really important things to know and, and then you build upon them. And when you go into your harder exercises like a squat, you're transverse abdominus knows how to brace and how to hold yourself steady and your glutes know how to squeeze properly um, to be able to get strengthening action happening in, in um, your butt muscles and your hamstrings actually work the way they're supposed to work. So that when you do the movements that they're, they're happening in the right way. Yeah. One thing that you said, just like, I just kind of thought of a suggestion. So I'm pregnant and have been going to um, Orange Theory classes. And every time I would go in, I would tell the trainer beforehand, like, hey, I can't do any abdominal exercises because I've heard that doing abdominal exercises contributes to diastasis recti. Uh -huh. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm glad You're I'm speaking the truth. Okay. So I told them that I wanted to avoid them. And then like they would give me some other modification that was also an ab exercise. And it was just super frustrating to me. I'm like, what about the fact that I'm pregnant? And like, I don't understand this, but it was consistent with literally every single trainer there. They all did the same thing. And so what I did instead was I just like found other exercises that did not involve core work um, that I could be doing. And I would just tell them beforehand, instead of saying like, Hey, I need modifications for these things. I just told them like, Hey, I can't do these, but don't worry about it. I'm just going to come up with something on the fly. And they were fine with that. And that, that way I didn't feel like I had to talk over loud music to tell them like, okay, I also can't do that and try to like explain it to them and make it awkward. 
So I think like people empowering themselves through research and knowledge of like what type of exercises work for your particular autoimmune condition and then going in with that so that if you don't have a trainer who is educated on your particular condition, it doesn't end up making you feel like ticked off, which is what it did to me and like made me not want to keep going. Well, and that's actually why I started Autoimmune Strong in the first place was because I would go to a personal trainer and, um, you know, because I knew I needed to exercise, I knew I needed to strength train and I was like, oh, you know, I'll save up my money and spend it on this thing that's really good for my health. Actually, you know, there was so much that she didn't know and she was a great trainer, but not for me. And, um, and so I would have like a week where I'd feel really good. And then a week where I'd have a flare up and couldn't get into the gym at all. And she didn't know how to modify. She would just say, well, just, it you just means you have to push harder, um, you know, and get over it. And I'm like, no, 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 but it doesn't make me feel good. So, um, you know, so if, if you are looking for resources about how to exercise with an autoimmune condition, um, you know, my blog is new, but it's, it's, I'm starting to roll out new information each week. And so I'm trying to provide free content that people can then print and bring to their, you know, exercise instructor and say like, you know, Andrea says that we need to be doing a combination of, you know, of balance work and this kind of rest and this kind of core stability. So, um, so I'm hoping to be able to provide resources to empower people um, to take it on to themselves. But if, you know, for people who don't feel comfortable making those modifications themselves, especially if they're beginners, um, they're not going to know how to, to go around. Like, it sounds like you have a lot more experience in fitness than, um, than some people do to be able to say like, oh, I should be doing this exercise instead. So if you're a beginner, you know, that's, that's again, why Autoimmune Strong exists because it's a very guided program. Um, so it takes you through that, you know, that whole instruction so that you know exactly what to do and you don't have to have the, you know, have that conversation with that, um, that fitness professional. Um, you know, in, in, uh, as, as a personal trainer, I can tell you, I never studied autoimmune issues. Um, and we spent about 10 minutes on pregnancy. So, right. you know, so like they don't, you know, unless they have a lot of pregnant clients or they have a lot of clients with autoimmune disorders, they may not know what they're talking about. Right. And that's the thing. Like I tried not to let it bother me because I realized that. And one trainer was really nice. She was like, oh my gosh, I had, when I told her about the diastasis recti, she was like, I'm going to go research that for you. So I don't know if she ever actually did, but, um, yeah, there's I mean, a lot of stuff on the web on that topic. Um, and so I, I'd be happy to direct you to some good, um, diastasis ex, uh, experts. Um, yeah, maybe some postpartum ones because I'm going to be giving birth here really soon. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> just a it's like that in the grand scheme of things. So I know. It really is. Just a minute. So exciting. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, so, okay. So what about people who are struggling with motivation? The elephant in the room. Yes. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> The first thing with motivation is really just keeping in mind what your goals are. If regaining your health is your goal, that should be enough motivation to at least light your fire. That said, it's not always as simple as it sounds. Um, you know, I obviously believe in exercise and like there are days where I'm like, oh, really? I have to go do this? Um, so it's hard for everybody. Um, you know, there are 
different tips and tools. So one is uh, putting it in your calendar, like making sure it's, it's, you've carved out time for it. So that way you, you know, I find that um, my, I let my day get away from me. So if I say I'm going to exercise in the afternoon, um, sometimes, you know, I'll take a phone call that goes too long or, you know, I'll spend extra time, you know, checking Facebook and I get distracted and, you know, and all of a sudden my exercise time has disappeared. So, um, so if you know that about yourself, if you work out better in the evening, schedule that. If you work out better in the morning, schedule that. But, um, you know, I like to do a Sunday kind of prep and say, okay, this is what the week is going to look like. And this is how I'm going to fit it in. And this is how often I'm going to exercise. And this is where I'm going to do it. And it becomes, and I actually have little, um, I, I write it on a piece of paper with check with check boxes. And every time I exercise, I come home and I check that box. And there's something about that box, checking that box, that makes me feel like, okay, I can do this. Because I, you know, I check that box tomorrow. I want that satisfaction of checking that box. Um, finding a friend can be really helpful. Um, you know, a friend who's going through the same thing and exercising with them um, that can help you stay on track. You know, like if you say you're going to meet your friend at this yoga class, um, you know, you'd feel bad if you just didn't show up. Um, so, or you'd probably be mad at her if she didn't show up. So, uh, sometimes that, you know, kind of friendship can, um, can work in, you know, in your favor. Um, so, you know, again, Autoimmune Strong has some of these things built in, like you can get an accountability buddy if you want one, where you, um, get paired up with another uh, Autoimmune Strong member. And so you guys can text each other and be like, hey, did you do your workout today? Um, you know, and, and, you know, give each other love and support and encouragement. Um, and, you know, and so that's really helpful. But, um, but ultimately, just remembering, um, you know, why you're doing it. It's, you know, it's for your health. And, uh, and that's the most important thing. And I find that my biggest motivation is, when I don't exercise for a period of time, I feel, I feel it. I feel it crap. Um, and, and that is motivation enough to get back to where, you know, where I was feeling good. I totally agree. To me, it's like when I get to the point where it's like, I've been really consistent for like three or four weeks or something, like how I feel like at week three, at week four, like this feels so great. Like being able to go to the gym and not just feel like I'm like falling apart. It's like, I want to keep on with this feeling. Yeah. Everything. Like I always tell people this, like everything is hard in the beginning. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Everything. Yep. It takes a minute to kind of get into things. Like we know that like going to school, going to university, getting a new job, a new relationship, like everything, you just need a minute to figure it out. But once you hit a stride, like that's when it gets a lot easier. And yeah, sometimes you like quote unquote fall off the wagon, but just remember again, like you said, knowing your why. Yeah. And every day is a new day. You know, there's something about like, oh, well, I didn't exercise for like two weeks. So what's another day, you yeah. know, but, um, but every day is a new day. So what, if you didn't exercise for two weeks, just start again and that's okay. And even if you have to start at a place that's different than where you were at when you stopped, that's okay too. You know, it's a, it's, it's never perfect. It's always going to be hard. Um, but you really do feel better after doing it. Totally. So we've mentioned kind of throughout um, your program, Autoimmune Strong, but for people who have not heard about it, could you just tell us a little bit about like what it is and then where everybody can 
find you as we kind of close out the podcast? Yeah. So Ottermain Strong is a online fitness program designed specifically for people who have chronic pain, um, chronic illness, autoimmune disease, fibromyalgia, Lyme disease, um, you know, and the list goes on. Um, it's meant for people who find that traditional exercise is not working for them. Um, so it's an online portal. So basically, like when you join, you get access to um, many hours worth of video that you can stream on your phone, on your laptop, um, or if you know, have a smart TV, you can connect to your TV and do it at home, um, or you can bring it to the gym. Um, and the videos are instructional in nature, so you learn these core exercises. Um, for example, I was talking about abdominal bracing. So um, I will teach you how to do abdominal bracing. And then I will teach you, um, you know, the balance um, protocol that I have you start with and so on. And I'll teach you how to foam roll. And then, um, you know, after you watch a few instructional videos, there are workout videos. So after you learn the moves, then you put them all together and you practice them in a little workout. Um, the workouts are short. They're about 10 minutes long. Um, you know, so they're something you can do every day. And, um, they are, um, they, and they're progressive. They build upon each other. So, you know, there's a, a beginner and then, uh, you know, the basic foundations. And then when you've perfected those, you can move on to the advanced. And then when you've perfected those, you can move on to the expert. Um, and each exercise builds upon each other. It's a full body workout um, designed to uh, get you strong without stimulating a flare up um, so that you can get that symptom relief without aggravating your symptoms or your cortisol. Um, so, so yeah, it's a, it's a really fun program and I designed it. Um, I designed it really for myself, but, um, I've been getting the, you know, the, the messages I get from my members every day have been so positive. Um, and, and, um, I'm so excited that it's that, you know, that people are using it and loving it. Awesome. I'm so excited it exists. And I think that it's an amazing answer for a lot of our listeners. So autoimmunestrong.com, correct? No, I'm sorry. I didn't give you the website. It's www.getautoimmunestrong.com. See, I would have just said that. Close this out. Like, hey, bye. Good. Yes, so it's getautoimmunestrong.com. And yeah. So there's a free trial. So if you have a question mark about whether or not it's good for you, go on, you know, you can do it for seven days, um, for free. And if you don't like it or it's not for you, you just cancel it. That's awesome. So we loved having this conversation with you. It was so fun. The last thing that we want to talk about where we close out all of our podcasts episodes with is a meal of the week. Give our listeners some fun food inspo from Ann and I, and from all of our favorite friends, favorite crunchy friends. So what is your meal of the week? The meal of this week right now is, um, is like a bone broth soup thing. So I don't even know what to call it, but we, uh, stumbled upon these duck bones and turned them into a, a duck broth. And wow. so we put that it, it kind of looks, it's really, oh, it's so, so good. And so I have jars of it in my fridge. So we've been having, because it's been cold and snowy, we've been having soup, um, you know, and uh, my lovely husband roasted uh, a pork belly to put in it and add a little um, 
you know, uh, tamari or coconut aminos and lots of, you know, of veggies. And my kids like to have um, rice noodles in there. And it's just, it's, it's warm, it's nourishing, it feels really good in the cold. So I know it may not be what's hitting the spot for you guys in the warm, but for us in oh, the cold, no. it feels We're really good. Not here, don't worry. To mm-hmm. us, it's cold. It's like, it's 58 degrees, it's freezing. <laughs> us, that's cold. So yeah, that sounds amazing. So Andrea, thank you so, so much for coming on this week. This was awesome. Um, and thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you. So you, you guys can find Andrea at getautoimmunestrong.com. Um, check out her program. It's really cool. Social media, all that stuff. And thank you guys for listening. We will see you next week. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Unbound Healing Podcast. Be sure to subscribe in iTunes and leave us a review. Until next time, you can find more from me, Anne, at grassfedsalsa.com and more from Michelle at unboundwellness.com. We'll see you next week. Bye.